Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hi there. I see you've got your eye on our hamburgers. We, uh, we do make delicious hamburgers. It's true. Everybody loves them. And they're pretty affordable too. Just six bucks for a hamburger. The thing is, I can't actually sell you one unless you also buy $24 of boiled chicken anuses. Those are the rules. The government has decided that chicken anuses are really good for you. They're filled with vitamins. Chicken anus farming is also an important part of our economy. It's a part of our heritage. Uh, in fact, the chicken anus farming industry is actually taxpayer subsidized itself. But, but you got to pay for it again before I can sell you a hamburger. And scene. That compelling little vignette was an illustration of how television works in Canada. There are a few TV channels we want, maybe even just a few TV shows we want. But if we want them legitimately without stealing them, we have to buy a lot of crap we have no use for. It is called bundling. It is unique to the television industry. I don't think customers would accept it in restaurants or anywhere else in the economy, but we have been living with it for long enough that it just seems like the way things are for now. But that might change. The CRTC has unveiled a new report that suggests that they may take radical steps to force our broadcasters, our cable and satellite and IPTV companies to offer Canadians a la carte pick and pay cable television channels. 
This follows a speech from the throne, from the conservative government, promising a la carte television. And though nothing has been decided yet, the CRTC's aggressive stance on this has got a lot of people thinking that things might finally change in Canadian television. Joining me in a moment will be George Berger. George used to work in the film and TV production industry in Canada. He is one of the few dinosaurs who became a mammal. He has since worked for Tech Savvy, the internet service provider. These days, he works for a company called V Media that is offering a skinnier, unbundled version of Canadian cable TV over the internet, over IPTV. The goal of the company, with which I have no affiliation, is to allow customers to only pay for the channels they want. George is intimately familiar with the CRTC and with the Canadian TV industry in general general. He has a ton to say about this. The impact of all of this is going to be on a lot more than just our cable TV packages. And uh, he's going to be with me in a moment. Wait for it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world. And uh, it's available here in Canada. And this time of year, we're all emerging from our, our winter like seclusion and, uh, you know, patio season and, and socializing. And it can be terrifically fun, but it can also create a lot of pressure. And some people get like anxiety, social anxiety from being out too much. What did Iggy Pop say about social life? It's torture dressed as fun. It doesn't need to be torture. I think it's just about finding like the right balance uh, of, of how much of other people do you want. I mean, we need each other, but I think that at a certain point it can become overwhelming and talking to somebody about yourself, about your social life, about your relationships, um, is a way of gaining insight into what is right for you. It's not selfish to examine that with a professional. And as the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Listeners of the show get 10% off of their first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's Better H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars and I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. The simplest and most painless way to send invoices to your clients, if you're a freelancer or a contractor or a small business, is FreshBooks.com. It's just stupidly easy. It's a cloud-based service. You can access it anywhere from your computer. They've got a great mobile app. You can track your expenses. You can track your time. It's helpful when tax time comes. Go and check it out now at freshbooks.com. Tell them that Canada Land sent you and enjoy a 30-day free trial. It's what I use, freshbooks.com. I want to talk about what the CRTC is trying to do, but I think it's necessary to kind of just inform people about how Canadian TV works to begin with, because it's a weird system, isn't it? Well, certainly it's weird in North America and probably in most parts of the world. And, and there's some reason for it, uh, because apart from anything else, you know, when you're dealing with uh, French or German or other markets, 
you've got really the unique protection of your own language. And because you have the protection of your language, some of the structures that have been implemented here in Canada are, may not be necessary because you don't have this gigantic entertainment behemoth on your doorstep yeah. in the same language. So in as much as uh, the German public might be interested in watching American shows, and I'm sure they are to some extent, they're always going to be interested in German shows. Mexicans want to watch Mexican programming. French Canadians want to watch French programming. So we have this weird situation here where – I guess the whole system is predicated on the idea that if there is not regulation forcing Canadian content onto television, we just won't have Canadian television. Let's take it to its extreme. If tomorrow you said that there were no more Canadian channels, yes, there would be cultural issues and questions raised, but from a pure entertainment point of view, nobody would care. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Germany, you can't say the same thing. If you said to Germany, you can now get all the American channels that you want and whatever you want from the United States, they'd still be watching 80% of their TV would be German television. Yeah. And similar, or 90. Similarly with France. So it's the language issue that's the big issue. Now, is it true? I mean, if this was completely deregulated and it was just left for the market to decide, do you think the Canadians wouldn't choose to keep something around? I mean, it, you know, and, and you are in the business of offering people a menu of channels. Do people pick like, oh, yeah, like I'd like to have CBC television just for the news or I'd like to have Canadian sports? I mean, are there some things that would survive in a completely unregulated market? Uh, I typically look at the top 20 rated shows in, in the market and invariably, unless you're dealing with something like a Canadian Idol, uh, which in fact is an American show, or if you're dealing with Hockey Night in Canada, invariably the top 20 shows are not Canadian, they're American. So if that's a reflection of what people want to watch, that's a pretty good barometer of where people's interests lie. So in as much as they're just trying to make sure that that Canadian TV exists, I guess this regulatory framework has always been necessary if we can all agree that that's a really important thing, which I guess has been debated since they began this scheme. That's exactly right. And I I think that the announcement of the, the notice of consultation by the CRTC yesterday I think is a reflection of a dramatically different way of thinking on the part of the CRTC Mm -hmm. at this point in time. This is the new crusading consumer advocating CRTC. So it's not like with cell phones where they've got to woo some huge international player like Verizon, you know, which the government can't affect that change. They can try to roll out the red carpet, but ultimately that's going to be up to Verizon or, or whoever else. But with this... They're already doing so much to stack the deck in favor of these vertically integrated broadcasters that they could just sort of start changing that. And and I guess that's what they're claiming they're going to do. My sense is in looking at the terms of the notice of consultation, I think that it reflects a very strong desire on the part of consumers as expressed to the CRTC about what they want. When they rolled out that like, let's talk TV, Canadians, we want your opinions, I, I thought like, I really rolled my eyes. I thought, oh, here's the CRTC soliciting public opinion. I've seen this before. And it's almost like just like they're checking off like, yep, we asked the public so that we could ignore them. But now they're, they're rattling their sabers like they're actually going to do this. And, and, and I guess the plan is, if I understand it correctly, giving people a real pick and pay alternative, like a menu of channels. I mean, this is what you always hear people saying is like, I just want HBO. I just want my sports. Why do I have to buy this other crap? Is it going to happen? It's going to be interesting because the they're, they're, again, it's, it's a question of what's in their control. So for example, they can decide that everything that is currently called a category A channel no longer has the benefit of, of that designation. 
if it no longer has the benefit of that designation, it takes out of the hands of the uh, broadcasters their ability to force packaging of those channels. Uh-huh. So that's very key. So that's part of what goes with being a Category A. If you're Category A, then a, a broadcaster will come to you and say, well, if you want my Category A channel, and we do, you have to carry it. Yeah. Well, you don't you want can, it. You, you need can it. only have it in this package. And that's not inconceivable. That happens. So if you take that, that power away from the, uh, the broadcasters, then you wind up definitely having more flexibility. Now let's break this down a little bit. First of all, Category A, this is – people heard about this a lot. Uh, it's the mandatory carriage – uh, am I getting this wrong? Yeah. Category A is one step down from mandatory carriage. Oh, Mandatory okay. carriage is one where you simply have no choice as a consumer. You have to take it. <laughs> right. If I want TV through cable or through uh, – Satellite or any other satellite. regulated platform. Right. If I want satellite or cable, are there any other regulated platforms besides satellite and cable? That's and Internet. So, yeah, IPTV is yeah, – That's regulated, yeah. I, I, it's easy to get confused here because I know that the CRTC does not regulate the web. They don't regulate internet content, but internet protocol television, they do regulate? That's correct. So they don't regulate content that you acquire or that you access over the internet. Yeah. Which is considered to be so-called over-the-top content. Right. That's Netflix. YouTube, uh, anything else like yeah. that. That's correct. Uh, Hulu. Um, but when it comes to regulated content – like over-the-air channels, like uh, uh, especially channels, which come with licenses, then you are definitely subject to CRTC. So you're in the business of trying to offer an option to people who are frustrated with the Rogers and the Bells, but you are constrained in that you must offer those mandatory carriage channels. Whether If you've got a customer who just wants his Game of Thrones, sorry, buddy, you're going to have to take these mandatory channels. That's correct. But the mandatory channels are relatively few. I mean, yeah. and thankfully, uh, and as uh, as you recall, you know, thankfully the CRTC did not award any more material mandatory channel carriage licenses in the last round. But in terms of the, ne the net hit to consumers, it's not terribly material. Uh, so they seem to be clearly closing the door on that. What the CRTC currently wants, which is to have a skinny basic, that skinny basic would only be allowed to be comprised of over-the-air channels, Mm -hmm. And strictly these mandatory characters. Right. And let's just look at like the, you know, I, I'm always curious about the reasoning behind this, you know, because the jargon comes next of the, all the different designations. Mm -hmm. But like, why do you have a mandatory carriage channel? It's because this idea of the public airwaves and, and, and that television broadcasting has to serve the commons and the public. So certain channels appeal to the CRTC and say, we are so important. What we're doing, you know, if you guys are interested in making sure that there's Canadian content, Canadian television, not all Canadian television is created equal. And what we do is, is, is a must. Is that about right? It, it, it's, it's essentially channels that serve the public good uh -huh. as determined by the regulators. And so, for example, the Weather Channel in its inception, one of the reasons that it was a mandatory carrier channel was, well, first of all, we didn't have something called the internet. Yeah. Where you can find the weather anytime you want. Um, but more importantly, it was intended to be a kind of a warning system, like a weather warning system. Right. So it wasn't purely letting you know the weather. It was also letting you know hazards, dangers, risks. This is just a service. This is a, it's a good thing to have in a pre-internet era, a weather channel. Exactly. At yeah. that time. It's um, fairly irrelevant in an internet era. That's right. And, and, but then you have another type, another category where it's considered to serve a cultural purpose. So for example, um, uh, APTN. The Aboriginal Channel. The Aboriginal People's Television Network. That's yeah. right. That was considered to serve a, a, a different kind of public good, which is a cultural public good. Yeah. So 
these things were always relatively wide open. It was a different era. Uh, I, I don't know whether APTN would ever be licensed today. Sure. Because the thinking is different. Well, there's lots of things that are great. And certainly you could say like, look, it's wonderful. And how could you have any kind of cultural Canadian expression without putting some space aside for Aboriginal people's voices? But the very concept of appealing to some government body to prove that your cultural product is so necessary that everybody who uses TV must be forced to pay for it. It's a very pre-internet idea. Completely. And, uh, you know, Vision TV was in that same in that Religious same boat, programming, you know? spiritual programming. Um, so, so the CRTC quite wisely yeah. in, in this last round basically stepped back and said, you know, we're not in the business of forcing anything down anybody's throat. There were new people who wanted this designation and, and they were denied it. And, and this was a funny little episode because from the point of view of people with a mandatory carriage license, this is like a license to print money. I mean, you just have to deliver anything. Like once you're in there – Everybody who has a cable or satellite subscription must pay you money. I wonder if that has something to do. I mean, it's a chicken and egg thing. We talk about how if people had the choice, they wouldn't watch Canadian TV. They just watch the American stuff. But maybe the quality of the Canadian stuff has something to do with the fact that there are channels like these mandatory carriage channels, which regardless of what they put on the air, are going to get my two bucks or whatever every month. Well, um, at this point, you know, as you know, I mean, especially the more expensive ones, there were several of them that, that applied. Um, they they were not licensed and, you know, V Media took a very strong position on it because generally our, our whole mantra is choice and flexibility. Yeah. And this entire process with the CRTC clearly seems to be moving in that direction. Yeah. Um, and, and it's no accident because that's really where the, – it's the only way you're going to salvage the public interest in the broadcasting system. If you don't go in this direction, you're just going to lose them. Salvaging the public interest in the broadcasting system. What is the CRTC trying to achieve? Are they trying to achieve what the conservatives want, which is to give people a little bit of a break on their bills? Or are they trying to preserve this model of broadcasting where we have this idea that we need to have regulated TV in the public interest? Is that even a salvageable idea? I mean, we just have uh, data coming out that cord cutting is a reality. It is happening. There have been denials for years. I always argue that the cord cutters don't even matter so much. It's the cord never has. It's the kids coming out of college who are never going to subscribe to cable, yep. never had, never will. Yep. But in addition to them, we are seeing people with traditional cable subscriptions saying, my bills have been creeping up and up and up every month. I've got a bunch of crap I don't want and don't watch. And meanwhile, I've got my Netflix. You know, I've got a number of choices. Maybe some of them are not legitimate or legitimized, but I don't need to spend $100 a month anymore. So that's happening. And it seems like an inevitability to me that we are going to be watching everything through the internet. So is the CRTC, are they fighting the traditional broadcasters or are they fighting like the internet? Uh, I wouldn't say they're fighting the internet. I think I think that there is a visionary element to what they're doing that's not just in terms of consumer benefits. Uh, I think that the point you make about the uh, cord never haves is an excellent point because the fact of the matter is that the Canadian population growth rate is one of the highest in the world because of, primarily because of immigration. Mm -hmm. And so when they say, for example, that uh, you know the loss of cable and internet and uh, cable and satellite uh, and IPTV subscribers is not falling. It's not a very satisfactory outcome. Lack for, of growth is falling if your population exactly, is exploding. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so once it starts falling against that growing population, to your point, which it, it's it's inevitably going to, then you're going to be seeing a very dramatic change. And it's already. I mean, there's no question. The CRTC, what they're doing at this point, 
directly or indirectly, they're trying to create an environment where you're less prone to turn off yeah. the consumer. And that's really, really key because in, in, in certain respects, the vertically integrated entities, in my view, are, are not really there to, to serve the consumer in terms of satisfying their desire to watch things generally. And that's really, really important because uh, the analogy I like to do is to Napster. When Napster came out and made the file, whole file sharing process so ubiquitous, it took the music industry forever to come to terms with it. And interestingly enough, it wasn't the music industry that came to terms with it. It was Apple. Yeah. Were it not for iTunes, I, I, I can't even imagine what the music industry would be like today. Yeah. Without a doubt, it took Steve Jobs and iTunes to completely salvage the business. But there was a certain triage element to it. Without a doubt, the music industry is smaller than it used to be. Mm -hmm. It's a, a, arguably a shadow of its former self. The entire model is completely different now. But he stopped the bleeding. But he stopped the bleeding. It's smaller, but it's living to fight another day. Yeah. In television, I don't think that that's really been happening. And, I'm, and believe me, I'm not trying to suggest that vMedia is the same as iTunes. But the approach that vMedia is taking to it is we're there to facilitate your ability to view whatever you like. Within the bounds of the regulatory framework. Well, exactly. As long as it's legal. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you want to watch TSN, you want to watch CTV, absolutely fine. You want to watch Netflix, it's fine with us. We're going to give you the best interface out there, the easiest, most intuitive way to watch it, but we're agnostic as to what you're watching. And mm -hmm. I think that's what consumers want more than anything else. And the, and the vertically integrated broadcasters do things like try to bundle you, not only bundle you with channels you don't want, but bundle you, bundle you towards channels that they own. And I think a lot of the, the way they've been able to head off the cord cutters is because they have people kind of wound up in bundled packages where you're getting your wireless from them and you're getting your phone from them. And so even though there might be some savings to go to vMedia or another company, because they have these monopolies, they can kind of leverage it in such a way that keeps people artificially hanging on, which I guess is good for them in their annual returns, but it might be kind of like sticking your head in the sand as to, you know, once people have the, a real and true other option, all of those measures might not work anymore and the whole thing could fall apart. Uh, that's exactly right. But, but you know, the, the, the large companies, they're probably doing what's economically rational. In fact, I'm certain they're doing what's economically rational because they want to keep making as much as they can, as high margins as they can for as long as possible. Yeah. Until they really have no choice but to change to a different model where they're going to make less. But the other part of it is that they're very savvy because they're really moving their focus away from content to content distribution. Their future is going to be making money off of internet service. Yeah. Like just providing the pipe. And so it, what we've seen over the last four years is you've seen the average home internet usage be like about twenty four ninety five. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the number is closer to $50 or $60. Uh -huh. And it could move up to 100 or 120 Well, if you start getting up to that territory, really, you're talking about a product that has almost no cost of goods. If they're selling you TSN, if Rogers is selling you TSN, for example, right. they're paying TSN. It's a rev share. So if they're making 100 bucks off of their TV package, probably 50 to 60 of that is going to the supplier of the channel. So their margin's 40 to 50%. If you're selling internet, your margin could be 90%. Uh-huh. So you don't have to pay for the content. You're just providing the service. Just provide the service. Why then are they, they just spend billions of dollars for the hockey rights? Uh, well, because they're in that business and I think that it makes sense for them to – this is the best way to make that business continue to be relevant. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I think it's too early for them to have considered getting out of that business. I don't think anybody really thinks that that's a good idea to do today. Yeah. But if you're doing your strategy, your corporate strategy over the next five or ten years, 
I think that inevitably what you're going to be seeing, if, they, if you saw their pro formas, their hidden pro formas, you'd probably see a huge change in where the revenues are coming from, shifting from television to internet. HBO in other markets has made a very simple Netflix-like solution, HBO Go, which they have separated from HBO subscriptions in, I think, Scandinavia, some test markets, doesn't exist here. So I guess you might be the best option, and this is, I think, just factual. I'm not trying to plug your company, and yet it is not as easy or as inexpensive an option as HBO Go is for those Scandinavians. I mean, if I just – what do you say to the customer who says – what do I got to buy to get my HBO? We tell them that they have no choice, but they have to get our uh, our cheapest basic package, which is twenty four ninety five, and that's the price of admission. And they also have to get their internet from you. Uh, yes, that's right. Okay, and but, you but have... the internet's a commodity. Internet's easy to switch from one user to another. Yeah. you're emotionally attached to your television, but you're not emotionally attached to your internet. No, you I mean as long as there's no uh, interruptions, you're, you're not and... taking a risk. Right. Yeah. Although it does uh, make that you know that's a bit of friction in in the process, and you know. Having to switch over is uh, it's very it's relatively seamless if you plan it correctly. It, it, it's a, it's a half a day of, of somewhat of a nuisance, but beyond that, it's nothing. I'm not trying to bust your balls. I'm I'm just saying like compared to an internet thing where you just come and oh okay. I mean, there's nothing easier than signing up for Netflix and and they haven't paid me anything True. either. True. Like that's really really easy. True. And I don't have to switch providers for my internet service to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. From the consumer's point of view. Certainly, I want to be freed from these bundles, and certainly, if I'm a cable or a satellite subscriber, I want to have just like an a la carte menu. But why do I need any of this at all? Isn't my best future in a purely over-the-internet, over-the-top system? Like, why, why do I benefit from this CanCon, public goods, CRTC-regulated? Like, it's, it's really just getting in the way of me and the content that I want, isn't it? That's really – actually, that's at the core – indirectly of this consultation that the CRTC is doing. Because there are some elements of this consultation which I don't think anybody really expected. So, for example, they're talking about eliminating genre protection completely. What is genre protection? Genre protection basically means that if you have the History Channel, no one else can do another History Channel. Right. And this if you, stuff is so crazy. From a web point of view. if you've got a comedy channel, yeah. no one else can do a comedy channel. Wow. Now, there's cracks, obviously, where other TV, like Byte, for example, is in the comedy business now. And so there's there, – there, it's, it's, it's observed more in the breach. You know? I thought you were going to tell me that that explains why nothing is funny on Canadian TV, <laughs> except the comedy channel sometimes isn't either. Canadians so. are very funny. You haven't heard of Jim Carrey? Or, Canadians are very funny in America. That's right. So, so the fact is that they're talking about that, but they're also talking about eliminating simultaneous substitution. Let's explain what that is. Simultaneous substitution means that when you're getting, for example, the ultimate example is always the Super Bowl. Because that's when people want to watch ads from the States. Or, or the Good Wife. It's interchangeable. If the Super Bowl or the Good Wife, for example, are being shown at 6 o'clock or 9 o'clock respectively in the US and in Canada, the holder of the Canadian rights, in the case of Good Wife, I think it's global. And in the case of Super Bowl, it might be CB, uh, CTV. I, don't, I, I can't recall. The point is that if they're being shown at the same time, yeah. it's the Canadian ads that are inserted for the American ads. Yeah. So whether you're watching it on CBS or you're watching it on CTV, you're going to be seeing exactly the same ads. This is key because what that means is that in terms of eyeballs, you're directing all of the eyeballs that are watching The Good Wife, regardless which channel you're watching it on, toward these ads, which are, of course, enriching CTV or global. Yeah. Which is... I, I, I make no judgment about it, but that's the purpose of it. And the per, and, and there's some logic to it as well 
Because at the end of the day, you have to remember that the Super Bowl rights have been sold to somebody in Canada. So if CBS is bleeding over into Canada, well, at least that person who's paid for those rights should be entitled to the commercial rights. Okay, they're, they're cannibalizing. You know, I, I paid millions for the Super Bowl, and and half of the Canadians are watching it on the American Channel. They're getting American ads. Yeah, that's that's no fair. But it's a significant revenue source. You know, you're essentially doubling up the eyeballs. I'll bet. So that's an interesting issue. So they're talking about getting rid of that. They're talking about getting rid of that. And so there's there are a variety of changes uh, in addition to the unbundling aspect that are open for discussion. Yeah. Um, whether this means that the CRTC has a view and they want you to talk them out of this view or they're just throwing these issues up and let's talk about it, it'll remain to be seen. But these are all dramatic changes that, uh, that, that, that in the end are really going to dictate to what direction we're ultimately going. Because, look, what you said about HBO Go being uncoupled with a subscription, Amazon apparently has just done a deal with HBO where Netflix doesn't show HBO. Uh-huh. Amazon just did a deal where it's showing presumably older HBO content. Right. A year, two years out or whatever. Well, that, that, I guarantee you that won't happen in Canada, obviously. Because right now, TMN and Movie Central right. they have, have the, rights. the rights to all the current and older HBO And they have shows. their own HBO Go equivalent. Of course, you have to be a subscriber. And to it's their... connected to your subscription. Yeah. Exactly. But the ultimate fear of anybody in the market is, well, what happens if in five years HBO decides that they'll make more money out of Canada by directly broadcasting their content into Canada on a subscription basis? All on Netflix. All on Netflix. Or an HBO Go just on its own. Yeah. And essentially saying to somebody like TMN or Movie Central, look, either you'll share the rights with us or you won't get any rights from us. What happens to the TMN model? What happens to, to the premium pay TV model where the underpinning of it is the American original programming? It's a very, very serious question. And the knock-on, the knock-on issue is, well, if TMN and Movie Central are not robust businesses, there goes one of your major sources for Canadian movie financing. Yeah. And this is how it all ties into the public good and the cultural issues and so on. So it's like pulling a thread on a sweater. And yet, if we, if we define the public good as in what's good for the consumer, I think that a lot of people, maybe even most, would say, I want that. Canadians complain all the time that the, the services that, the, you know, Netflix is one of the few services that we can buy that Americans have. And we don't get the same one that Americans get and we complain about it constantly. I think most people would like that. They would like to just completely do away with this Canadian system and get their HBO Go and their Netflix and their Hulu. So if you're talking about what, you know, the, the, your distinction of the public good is, is uh, what you think is good for the public versus what's, what they think is good for themselves. Well, inevitably, when you're getting regulators involved in things like cultural policy, it's definitely what they think is good for the public. Yeah. But this regulator right now definitely seems to be far more open-minded than any in memory. Well, and in fact, while the reforms that they're proposing could have a huge effect on the bottom line of the big broadcasters in the short term, it might be the only thing that could save them. I don't have cable, okay? If in a year I had the option of buying like a, a, a true pick and play, like, I, I, you know, even this skinny basic, they're going to like even, you know, shrink down that point of entry. What was yours? 25 bucks? 24 yeah. 24.95. Okay. 24.95. And then what is it for, for my uh, TMN HBO Canada? Uh, with us, it would be about uh, $18. So $18 plus the 24.95. So, so uh, f- uh, 53 bucks, right? Wait, no, wait, 43, 43 bucks. My God, 43 bucks in a market where I'm getting 
Netflix for eight bucks doesn't seem like good value if all I wanted was HBO. If that's all you wanted. Yeah. But really, when you really scratch the surface, people think that that's all they want, but it's not necessarily all they want. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, yeah. my, my, my sons, for example, are exactly in that cord never category. Yeah. But they like their sports. Sure. So until they're going to be able to watch their hockey or their basketball or their baseball or their football online, they have no choice but to get a basic package. Same difference though, because once the NBA and everybody else figures out that like, well, you know, we're making a certain amount of money selling our rights to broadcasters, but there's going to be a tipping point, sorry to use the term, where more people, we can just sell it directly, Netflix model, eight bucks a month, all you can eat NHL. And sure, any TV station's welcome to license our stuff, but not exclusively. Isn't everybody, the CRTC and the broadcasters and you, fighting like a technological certainty down the line that that is going to be the biggest moneymaker for the people making the content? Uh, I think that's exactly right. And that's why you're going to be seeing this gravitation towards pure internet service. Yeah. Because if, if what you're saying is true, and it is, then if you're a Rogers or a Bell that's providing internet service, you don't really care. Because if people are watching all their content in these many different ways, yeah. the usage goes through the roof. And if the usage goes through the roof and if you're pricing based on usage, then people are going to be paying more and more and more for their internet. Yeah. And so you'll see that shift. How the dust ultimately settles, you know, there's all sorts of unforeseen consequences when you're prognosticating. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that, you know, there is definitely going to be a major shift, whether it will completely make up for what they're going to potentially lose on the content side or not. Who knows? We'll see in five, you know, check in in five or 10 years. Yeah. Well, five years probably. Five or 10 years. We Ver might be Verizon right now in the States is very clear. They said that their view is that in five years, almost all the content is going to be seen on the internet. Yeah. So it's, it's essentially getting out of the content business and just offering the pipe and, 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 and taxing it. And then we get into the conversation about net neutrality. Then we get in the conversation about paying for overages. And, and, and then we get into the conversation about it's cheap now to get Netflix. But if you're getting your sports and your Netflix and your HBO Go and three or four others, it adds up. And then if you're paying twice as much for your internet, you may actually be paying more for your TV screen watching needs five or 10 years from now than you are right now. Combined, I think that's probably most likely the case. Yeah. And, and the winners are going to be the service providers because at the end, their, their overhead is essentially the same. The They're big not, three win no matter what. They, they win no matter what. Uh -huh. I think so. The losers, it seems pretty clear, are the content providing sector in Canada. The Canadian television industry is looking the like- The production industry? The production industry is right in the crosshairs of this, isn't right it? Right in the crosshairs. I, I think that the CMPA has got its work cut out for it because obviously- The Movie Producers Association. As the money starts to dry up, as, as uh, Canadian channels or, or Canadian specialty channels are not given adequate exclusivity- Yeah then that means that they're going to argue that we're not making that much money. And if we're not making that much money, then maybe we shouldn't be giving back 35 or 50% or, or to, toward Canadian content. And Let's talk about that aspect of the scheme just so people understand what we're talking about. The deal that, that the CRTC and that Canada has struck with the broadcasters, as I understand it, is essentially, okay, we'll give you a license to play a bunch of American stuff that Canadians want to watch. And in return, you're going to have to take some of your profits and reinvest it in making Canadian stuff that people may or may not want to watch. Well, and equally importantly, you've got to give up a good chunk of your prime time uh -huh. to Canadian programs. So how much well. money goes into it and when it, and when it goes on the air. That's great. And out of this, 
is this entire industry of Canadian television production. I know tons of people who are writing and producing and acting in these shows. They complain endlessly about the system, which they feel doesn't serve them very well. Somebody recently said to me, the problem with Canadian TV is that is that when I'm working in the States, the concept of the American TV industry is that TV makes money. In Canada, the concept is that TV costs money. So uh, the, the opinion being that all of these Canadian companies are only really making Canadian stuff because they have to. And so few of them ever really make a big profit from their Canadian stuff that they're not really trying to have a big hit or make really good TV. They're just trying to fulfill their obligations to the CRTC. I think that a cynic could say that the fundamental driver of the Canadian production industry is to get a series done, not necessarily get it done well. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that, that's harsh. It's, it's unfair. But definitely there's been enough of a history of this in the last 40 years since they started subsidizing Canadian films and television programs where there were many, many, many cases where the whole purpose was the deal was the thing. Yeah. Because within the deal was a certain amount of money to the producer. Uh, there was a tremendous amount of the budget covered by subsidies. And what that really meant was that if you had anything that was worth selling internationally, you just basically cut your prices and dumped it on international markets and you filled whatever gap there was and you made your money. There's no question that there's a lot of very earnest and very determined and artistic and, and, and deliberate creative producers out there. But there's also an awful lot of the other ilk. We have some other stuff happening and you talked about earlier like Canadian versions of American reality shows that are subsidized under this idea that, that this is Canadian content and this is in the public good. Do you think that the well has been poisoned to a degree that making that public good argument is no longer viable to the viewer? I don't think it's so much the well-being poison because the reality is that the excesses of the Canadian cultural industry have not been revealed or publicized nearly as much as they, they could have been. Now, you know this because you worked for Alliance Atlantis. Alliance, yes, before the sale to Atlantis. That's correct. Who else? Were you involved in? Uh... No, that was my primary business. But before okay. that, I was involved in uh, in my law practice. Uh -huh. I was involved in, in a lot of uh, structured production financings for films and television shows. So I, we, all that stuff is very well known. Uh, I think what's happened though really well, – Well, it's well known and talked about but very poorly documented. And well, it's well known and talked about within the industry. It's, very, it's really inside baseball, you know? Yeah, but what we're talking – you know, for people to know, the deal is the thing, right? So it's about getting that green light for a series and getting that money from the – what is it? Canadian Media Fund and, and – Canadian Media Fund, Telefilm. Right. Uh, provincial uh, credits, yes. And the way that TV producers make money is that they take – above the line, a huge chunk of the budget, you don't get rich off of like having the hit show. It's everybody chopping up a pie. It's not using that pie to get, you know, a thousand pies or I don't know if my analogy is getting strained here, but. No one ever, no one ever looked forward to making money from a hit. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, you, you think about the producers, for example, the play, you know. Yeah. I mean, the reality was that the, you, you wanted, you essentially sold all your rights. When, when you did a TV show or when you do a TV show, you essentially sell all the upside. There isn't very much. And you, you basically take what's there and then you, have, you keep international rights potentially. And, and that's, there's some benefit there too. Yeah, you make a little change. But I know from the creative's point of view, the big joke is whenever they offer the writers or anybody like, oh, well, we'll give you a percentage of the profits uh, after. You know, uh, what, what's it called again? After uh, Residuals. Residuals off, off of like the future profits once we sell this elsewhere and once it's a hit. Because everybody knows, who knows, that you're not going to get a dime. Uh, that's right. And look, um, 
I think that everybody has been sort of in this in a, in a very cozy way. At the end of the day, it's directly or indirectly, it's all taxpayers' dollars. Yeah. So taxpayers have been partners in all of these shows. And the people don't realize that, do that Because you always hear people saying, oh, the CBC, that's my taxpayer money. Why can't they go out and, and compete in the free market with the other channels? All of the channels are spending taxpayer money. That's right. Uh, except, in fairness, I mean, there is a percentage that the BDUs kick back. Yeah. You know, which goes toward the CMF. And so there, there, there's no question that- The broadcasters kick back profits sure. into the common that's fund. That's right. And, yeah. and, and that's fine. But, but yeah. I mean, look, in the, in, in the end, we pay for that too. Arguably, that's taxpayer money too. It's, it it's just like those taxpayers who, who want to watch TV, who have cable and satellite subscriptions. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all taxpayer money. Yeah. But then it gets handed over to producers. And then the question is, you know, well, is telefilm adequately monitoring how those monies are spent? Have they made sure that all that money shows up on the screen? Have they done it consistently? Or do they know the ins and outs of the business sufficiently? Even if they know it, do they care to it? It's a it's a very cozy system uh, in Canada. So again, to the consumer, if you're saying, let's just like erase this whole scheme for all of these crooks with their 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 fingers in your pocket, and and you can just get your TV from the Netflixes of the world directly. And oh, but sorry, the cost will be the public good of not having the Aboriginal channel and not having the Weather Channel and 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 all these other things who is going to stand up for it? I mean, everybody is going to want to just eradicate the Canadian system at this point. Quite a few years ago, when the internet started to become obviously a, a platform for delivering content. You know, I, I think I, I was involved in this debate uh, publicly about it. And, and you know, the, the view was either we're going to be the only other country in the world other than China and Iran that police the internet. Yeah. Or we're simply going to ultimately have to give up on the cultural policies. And I think that's the point that we've hit. We've hit that tipping point. Because the CRTC, as much as it may be focused generally on the concept of consumers, the flip side of the coin is, if they're going to focus on cultural policies, are they willing to erect the barriers that you would have to erect? Yeah. Because at this point, what the only choice is, we're blocking Netflix. You can't get Netflix in your home. Why? Which has been proposed. Why? Because we want to make Canadian shows. Yeah. If you did that at this point, <laughs> what do you think the public would say? Pitchforks. It would be pitchfork time. Yeah. So I think that what's happened is that the price of maintaining those cultural policies is far too high to pay to sustain that model. So what are you proposing? Because this is sort of the middle path that the CRTC has set out on, and it's one that is in line with what your business is trying to achieve. So is this is this sort of an intermediate step where we stick to a regulated model, but we make it much more consumer friendly? And then rather than the entire Canadian TV production industry losing their jobs overnight, it happens over a course of five or 10 years? <laughs> like, is is this just a way of, of, of like having a slower death? Uh, it, it may or may not be. I mean, there's different approaches. So, uh, uh, but you look, you're looking at the CBC, for example, as a, as a question mark. If, in fact, you do want to sustain cultural policies and you do want to have a certain number of Canadian shows every year and a certain number of Canadian movies and, and all that, and then, then it may be worthwhile to completely centralize that yeah. in one entity. So pull it away from all the private sector completely. Let the private sector be completely free because, frankly, when you look at this notice of consultation, you're moving in that direction. Yeah. You're essentially moving toward deregulating content. That's definitely moved that way. Sure. It's not all the way, but it's a move in that direction. If you're going to do that, then centralize it all, empower this entity, and let it do what it does. I mean, the BBC does that in the UK. Yeah. The you know, BBC's done that very effectively over time. They've been very empowered. 
They have BBC. They have BBC Films. And they do good work. Mm-hmm. And so it's not inconceivable to do something like that. But that begs the question about whether or not this is all a worthwhile endeavor. Because don't forget, there's nothing wrong with Canadian talent. It just so happens that in 90% of the cases where that talent is truly internationally marketable, they tend to leave. You know, Actra and the, and the production sector, they're fighting this tooth and nail. And, and, you know, I understand why. It's an existential threat to them. Their whole system is in jeopardy. But to artists and creators in Canada – in a wider sense, yes, this system has created opportunities for people to have careers here. And yet it is a very, I can tell you this, it is a frustrated sector. We know for a fact that Canadians are talented enough to compete at a global level. And in media, Canadians can compete at the highest level. But the work they tend to do in Canada is often not as excellent. The quality is not as high as what they seem to be able to achieve when they leave Canada. Do you think that this system is the reason why? I mean, we've just described a TV system that doesn't care about quality, that doesn't care about having hits. So if tomorrow there was no regulated, government-mandated Canadian TV production, would nobody think to start up their own web video company and try to compete with everybody else and, and, and compete on quality as opposed to on, I'm the one who got the government commission? Wouldn't it be good for artists and creators in the long run to have to sink or swim with everybody else? Well, it would certainly be good for taxpayers because the one point that you made about, you know, when when people come back to Canada and do stuff here, it's not quite up to what they do elsewhere. The reality is that many creative people, uh, some major sacred cows in the creative community, come back here to do their pet projects. Yeah. They are, they are pet projects that would never get financed in the United States because they're so completely off the wall. Well, they, they come back here, they've got a name, and then right away everybody clusters around that name. Yeah. And before you know it, you got $30 million in financing to do something that nobody went to see. Well, that's the crazy irony is that we end up like following the American system and the American commercial system anyhow because if a Canadian talent goes to the States, like you say, they have a success in the marketplace, they come back here and they can make crap that nobody wants to watch, but they have a name and they and they get financing. And usually it's derivative stuff that's trying to ape American content anyhow. The point is that you come home and if you're a name from the US, then the, the, without question, the, the bar for acceptance of your pro- project is a lot lower than it might be in the United States. And in the meantime, there is their fringe right now, options like yours, but people can sign up with you. And then I got to ask, what, what do you get? You, you get a piece of hardware. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> from a pure value point of view, you want to talk about money, first of all, uh, our, our, our V-Box, which allows you to watch conventional television and it allows you to access anything over the internet. Same one piece of hardware, one controller, one everything. You know, it turns every TV into a smart TV. That's only 75 bucks for starters. So your V-Box is $75? Yep. How much can you fit in your V-Box? In terms of like sandwiches for lunch? Is it, is it like a tight little V-Box? It's, it's, it's very small. I'm sorry. I'm, it's very juvenile. What, what were you thinking? Why did you call it a V-box? Well, I don't know. What kind of connotation does it have? What do you think? I don't know. It's, I, it's very vaginal. Is that right? Am well, I the, the first person to tell you this? The, you actually are. And Come I'm, on. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I respect the way you think. Um, it's, 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 it's refreshingly retro, uh, but, uh, the, fact- or, or, or did, was that on purpose? Did you do market research where they said, call it the V box? You know, interestingly enough, uh, it was a confluence of a couple of things. First of all, the, uh, the sister company to it was called Vianet. Uh-huh. Vianet didn't make any sense for a variety of reasons. And so the, the letter V made sense. But then I thought about V and I thought, you know, I like this an awful lot. 
because it's also V like in this context of uh, V for Vendetta. It's V in the case of victory. It's, ah, this is like it's for anonymous. Like, it's something different. Yeah. And so that's really part of the connotation that uh, that we are sort of striving for. We're an outlier. There's no question. Yeah. You know, V Media, without a doubt, right now is the single most disruptive influence in the Canadian market. But what we're really trying to do is just offer some kind of an alternative for consumers, which is much more directed at their sweet spot. <laughs> their sweet spot, your V-Box. Our V-Box. <laughs> George, thanks. That's your Canada Land show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read everything you send. I write back when I can. I am on Twitter at Jesse Brown. The website for this program is at canadalandshow.com, and I am putting up a new video this week. Check it out. I think you might like it. The next episode of the show will be up on Monday. If you like this show, recommend it. Thank you.